right, everybody, welcome to the audio newsroom. If this is the first time that you've been in this room, we uncover the top news stories of the week. And today we have a special guest, Brian Barletta. He is from soundsprofitable.com. And we're going to be talking all about podcast analytics. We found a great news story from him that's all about the difference between an ad delivery download versus a regular download. And so essentially, we're just going to get the breakdown from him. He's got lots of knowledge when it comes to podcast analytics. And so really just wanted to invite him here and have an open Q&A and interactive session and get all of the details in terms of what quantifies as a real download. What do we really need to know as podcasters? What does this mean for us as we move forward? And just pick Brian's brain. And then we have other news stories to cover, of course. And I'm sure Steve Ulsher will be joining us soon. And just in case you guys have never been on one of these sessions before, we do this every single week and we run through the top news stories of the day. And it's meant to be an interactive session where if you guys have something that you want to announce in terms of podcasting industry news, we also talk about drop-in audio. Audio, and then we record it and we put it up on a podcast called the Audio Newsroom. So if you don't get to catch one of these sessions, you can always go find us on the podcast apps. And so I have a bunch of my podcaster friends here on stage. We have Raven. We have my co-host, Steve Olsher. Heather Monahan is my client and also a very popular podcast here on stage. So welcome to everybody. And again, don't be shy. You can raise your hand and join the conversation. So since we have Brian, why don't we kick it off with that story? So essentially... Fahad, our researcher, found a story that Brian wrote, and Brian is uh, affiliated with Pod News, and so I'll let him introduce himself in a second. But essentially, they came out with a story that talks about the difference between podcast ad delivery and podcast downloads. And so as podcasters really need to understand the difference because when we're speaking with sponsors, we need to understand what we're selling exactly. And we also need to understand the disadvantages and the advantages of the stats that are out there. Because from my understanding, you know, most of the hosting providers are providing download stats and download stats are more attractive than ad delivery stats. And most of us are selling sponsorships based on those numbers. So anyway, I'll let Brian, the expert, talk about it a bit. But Brian, I would love for you to introduce yourself. And then I'd love for you to kind of walk us through this new educational piece that you put out yesterday on Pod News and what it means for us as podcasters. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me here. So I'm Brian Barletta. I've worked in podcast advertising for about six years. I worked in ad tech before that for six years. And in September last year, I, I want to try and educate everybody a little bit more because I've been a product manager, sales engineer, all of these different roles at companies like Megaphone and Claritas. And I felt like nobody talked to anybody but the decision maker. They weren't talking to the people who had to execute on all this. So Everything I do at Sounds Profitable, we are affiliated with Pod News, and it's, it's a great relationship there. But our focus is weekly trying to tell you, like, hey, this is how the tech works, and you can do anything you want with it. And here are some neat ideas, or here are some things you need to know before you use it. It's definitely aimed at, like, the mid to upper tier of the industry. But what I like about that is that's something that if you're looking to grow what you're doing, it might not be applicable in your first 10 episodes. But it's good for you to know as you grow into it. It's completely free. I don't sell anything, everything we do is sponsor supported because I'm just trying to grow the space. Like I truly am a giant nerd about advertising technology. And so I just like talking about it a lot. But this week specifically, we dug into the differences between downloads and impressions. So the big thing about these metrics is I want to take a step back and say that like whatever you and the advertiser you're working with decide on, 
is ultimately the only thing that matters. The best thing to represent your inventory is always going to be downloads because a download is what happens when uh, a user downloads one minute of the podcast. So if it's automatically downloaded through Apple Podcasts or Overcast, or if the user presses play, it can be as little as one second of pressing play on a streaming connection for that IAB download to count. So your download numbers are going to be your largest numbers. They're the only primary thing that's certified, and impressions are a subset of that. Now, if you don't use dynamic ad insertion, the big thing to keep in mind is you don't have impressions. Even if you do baked-in ads, there's no way for you to differentiate between a download for the podcast and anything that tells you that the ad was also downloaded. IAB makes room for dynamic ad insertion to be tracked on ad delivery, which means not only was the podcast downloaded, so one minute of the episode is on the listener's device, But it also accounts for, did the portion of the episode that included the ad end up on the listener's device too? So having a download doesn't always mean you're going to have an impression, and that is the big differentiator there. And this is the hard part because a lot of platforms will track both of them. Blueberry, for example, will track both download and ad delivery, but they won't let you put any third-party tracking on ad delivery like PodSites, Chartable, Claritas, they only let you track on download. So when you're talking about a campaign, it's hard to say like, hey, here are our download numbers. Everyone's going to default to impressions. So the point of the article was to kind of clear up that download is about the episode being downloaded and ad delivery is not available everywhere, is a subset of download, and is only when the ad has made it to the listener's device. That was super, super helpful. So why don't we take it a step back because I think that there's probably a lot of new podcasters in the room. And when you say IAB, they're probably like, what is IAB? I don't even know what he's talking about. So let's break down what is IAB and what is the definition of a download? Yeah. So here's the best part about being like the only completely independent person in this B2B industry. Like I get to speak my voice on this. So the IAB is very expensive to participate in organization. They do have the only standard that measures downloads and ad delivery at scale. There are some other options out there, but this is an organization that charges tens of thousands of dollars each year to participate in it based on the size of your company. So even my company, it would cost between five and 10,000 per year for me to be part of it. And then you also have to pay an auditing firm to audit your methodology, which is twenty to $30,000 for these hosting companies. So basically, they developed this methodology, which doesn't get updated fast enough. The difference between the last two versions, version 2 and version 2.1, was four years. Uh, you have to pay to be part of it. So your hosting platforms are paying probably forty dollars to $60,000 a year to participate in it. But it's getting people close to saying that when I say a download works, th- like when I say this is a download, it's very likely that another hosting platform or another advertiser will say the same thing. It's getting us close to counting things the same way. Their methodology on that is based on a 24-hour window for uniques. So, If I go back and listen to the same exact podcast multiple times in a day, it'll start to filter that out. If I listen to at least one minute of the podcast, it'll capture that and say I've downloaded it. It's just kind of a base to get around, and unfortunately, it's our only option. And because I went on a tirade there, I super forgot the second part of the question. So I asked, what is the definition of a download? You did briefly 
mention it, but if you want to just reiterate what the definition of a download is. And then maybe also, I also hear this question a lot. I do a lot of these Q&A with podcasters and they always ask me, what's the difference between a stream and a download? Because they get that mixed up too. So I'd love to hear your perspective on that. Yeah. Um, okay. So the IAB counts a download as one minute of the audio is made it to the listener's device. Podcasting is glorified file serving, right? So when somebody sends you a Dropbox link to download an episode, uh, like download a file, that's basically the same relationship that Spotify has with your hosting provider. It says, I have this URL. Here's the information about the user. Send me that file back. And that hosting provider can send it back however it's requested. Some, like if you're connected on Wi-Fi and it's on Spotify, it might say, send me the whole file all at once. So just pressing play will end up sending the whole thing there. So it, it would be real hard to interrupt and get less than that one minute if the user presses play, which can transitions well into streaming. There's no streaming in podcasting. Now, someone can live play and the app can tell that the user is playing, where they are in the podcast and whatnot. But if uh, I wrote an article about it, I did a bunch of tests. I played less than one second or about one second of uh, the Joe Rogan podcast. And I was able to get like a minute and a half of audio on my device. So I played for, I hit play, it hit the one second immediately turned on airplane mode, and then in airplane mode, it still played a minute and a half. Streaming would be that it's playing in real time, right? It's only asking for what's right next in front of it. It means that it can be interrupted. Streaming is what Spotify is doing with their ad control and where how they're handling it internally. But for podcasters in the overall open market uh, like ecosystem, there's no streaming. Everything is progressive download. So that's the big thing you want to focus on. People talking about streaming are bringing it over from video and streaming audio and trying to get it closer to digital. But podcasting is a download-based industry. I'm so glad you say that because that's what I always say when somebody says, what's the difference between a stream and a download? I'm like, everything is a download. <laughs> it's just like, it's just a matter of the terms that people are using in this space. How about a listen? Cause I get that too. They, they'll ask me like, what's a listen? So that's not a real term. It's all about downloads. Is that correct, Brian? Yeah, listen gets hard, right? Because this is where things are about to get fragmented. And this is why I'm so vocal and I'll even say aggressive about the ideas here, right? So Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google all provide portals for you as a podcaster to register and see extra analytics. None of these are validated, right? Your hosting provider, like I said, spends tens of thousands of dollars. If they're bigger, they spend even more than that to be certified by the IAB to say, this is a download, this is ad delivery. But listens doesn't fit into that because your hosting platform doesn't get that because it only knows, was this file requested and how much did I send back? But every app knows that. Spotify knows every single interaction you've taken in the app. Same with Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Google, all of these apps. And in those portals, they'll show you listens, but they don't have to agree on what a listen is. Each of those platforms can define it their own way, None of them are third-party certified and don't ever expect them to be. So listens are a heartache issue for podcasters because you're always going to have less listens than you're going to have downloads. You're going to have to aggregate it from multiple sources. Some are going to be way less favorable to you than others, and none of them are going to match in their definition. So if it's a vanity metric and you want to log into Spotify and you see that 90% of the people who listen to or download your podcast listen all the way through, that's great. But unless Spotify is like 
a massive percentage of your inventory or like your downloads, that's not showing the full picture. And that's where it gets tough. So listens isn't something you should let anyone enter into the conversation when it comes to presenting your podcast or paying you. But if it's something that helps you represent like how sticky and active your audience is, it's super worthwhile. Just own that narrative. And so like, is there an actual definition of a listen then? Is that like, is there a specific amount of time for it to qualify as a listen? Each of them explain it differently. It's been a little bit since I crawled through each of the platforms, but I think it's like single digit seconds can count as, as a listen on some of them. Others, it's definitely under a minute. But then there's the listen through rate that some of them provide. There are so many interesting ways to go about it. They're, Chartable, for example, just started offering, or maybe they have for a while, you can actually like put in your Apple and Spotify logins, and they'll pull that information out of there and start sharing some of that with you, which is pretty neat. But like that's not approved, so to speak. So like Apple and Spotify don't love that. And you're still matching two things that don't compare. So because they're not third-party verified and they won't be, there's never going to be a point where they can't change their definition whenever they want to represent their Oh my God, Brian, you are so smart about this kind of stuff. I'm going to have to have you guest on so many of my different rooms here. I actually have podcast office hours later tonight at 5 p.m. Eastern. I'd love for you to join us because I think a lot of people in that room are going to have analytics questions. And it's very rare to have somebody who, you know, knows this space so well. Raven, it seems like you've got a question. Well, yeah, first of all, I just wanted to say hi, Brian, and thank you so much for going into detail about this because that's always been confusing to me. And I'm sure a lot of people that are listening in right now, live or through the podcast later, they're going to be thinking the same thing. So I don't actually know if I'm paying for a service for ads, what's real or or not. I mean, you know, the downloads, what you were talking about is what I've always thought too. People are downloading but are they really listening? But from what I understand, you're saying if the ad comes on, it doesn't have to be on long to count. Is that correct? As oh, no. So okay. so if in that example, say it's a three-hour-long episode, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it was somewhere around 5 to 15 minutes of playing was enough for me to turn it offline. I have downloaded the full episode already, right? 15 minutes of five to 15 minutes of playing the entire episode is on my device. If the ad was at the last minute of the podcast and I stopped listening at 15 minutes into it, the ad delivery would count, but there would be no way outside of by Apple, Google, or Amazon to know that the listener didn't get there. Now, it's, it's a slippery slope. And the thing is, is yeah, that we yeah. in podcasting are so under fire on these things because mm-hmm. people want us to be more like Facebook and digital display and streaming video and audio. But we're right. closer to radio and out of home and television where people are done answering questions about, well, how can you tell that they actually listen to it? It's like the Super Bowl ads, you can't tell that everybody like sat in their seat. Right. Like right. people get up mm-hmm. and go away. So because party you're, time you know, and break. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And the amount of the graveyard I have on my phone of five minutes left of a podcast is massive. Mm-hmm. So what I think it indicate for people is that I wrote an article called post roll is bullshit. I see Dane in this room here. Uh, he actually guessed it on my um, <clears throat> podcast episode about that. And it was very fun. I think post roll is a dangerous place to buy ads because a lot of people check out towards the end of a podcast. But I think outside of that, 
if you're buying ads or selling inventory, I think pre-roll and mid-roll, the closer you get to the center of that content, yeah, the better. I, I think you can't worry about, did they actually listen to it? And I think mm-hmm. we as an industry need to shut down those conversations and push back and be like, do you ask people that when you buy TV? It's yes. not fun. You definitely don't make friends. I guess I'm in a unique situation where I don't have to worry about that. So I can, I can speak it from my tower, but we're going to be plagued with that for a long time. And it's going to be the excuse thrown at us for why we don't grow. Yeah, so you're saying mid-row or the end is better placement. Do we actually have control on where it's placed or no? When you're buying inventory from yeah. a podcast, I mm-hmm. would focus on pre-roll and mid-roll. I would, my honest preference is I wouldn't buy any pre-roll that starts at the beginning of the show okay. because there are a few things more off-putting than hearing an ad before you hear the host's voice or what yeah. they're going to talk about today. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I, I would just say I would not venture into post-roll unless that that podcast selling the inventory can prove the efficacy of that spot. I think there's plenty of other available inventory and you can usually dictate that when you're buying. Uh-huh. And if you can't, there's tons of inventory out there. So I would really think about where you buy. This is really interesting. You really gave us a lot to think about. Final question I have, and then I don't know how, I don't know if Dragon or someone else has a question, but I was just thinking if someone wants to start doing this and they never done it before and they start talking to the different companies that offer this, Brian, what should be their biggest or most important question that they should ask to make sure they're getting this service from the right person? On the buying side or on the podcast producing side? Both, <laughs> both sides. But I was yeah. mainly thinking podcast producing, but let's say both sides. Yeah. Yeah. On the buying side, I would start by buying things, you know, I would do host read. I would do relationships with podcasts that you like that are on the smaller side. So you can see it hands on. I would ask them for visibility into it. Let them know that you want to be more educated on this process and really understand it and, and make sure that's clear on the host side, on the podcast producer side. I'm very excited about this. I've actually got another article on Monday that's coming out. That's all about this. Okay. The, to- the same tools that ESPN uses ESPN's on megaphone, right? The same tools that ESPN and iHeart and all these other people use are accessible to you. Some of them might be a little expensive, right? Others are more affordable. Some are even free, depending on how you go about it and how big you're, like the size of your show. And we're not talking massive. We're talking a couple thousand downloads a month. So all of these platforms, find a podcast that you want to emulate, that you want to aim for. And then use their hosting platform and learn it inside and out. Fill every ad slot that you have. Determine how long your podcast is going to be. Determine how many ad breaks you're going to have. And then until you sell all of them, make your own ads. Give free ad space away to your friends and other podcasts on there. Get listeners used to having that many ads on there. And learn every single dial in those platforms. Because today, they're super accessible. They're not really complicated. Compared to the greater ad tech industry outside of podcasting, they're basically kids toys and you can do some crazy cool fun things for very little incremental costs and you can be prepared for when a big advertiser comes in and says hey let's do something cool you can show them something that's unique to you because you have mastery of it what are some of the what are the names of those platforms brian especially some of the free ones free for with ad serving are going to be ones that have a little bit of inventory requirements 
Red Circle, I don't know. They're to, they're, we're talking um, in the single-digit thousands per month, I think. And Red Circle has ad-serving capabilities uh, with dynamic ad insertion for Host Red. And they'll also put you in a marketplace so you can help get inventory. Spreaker, VoxNest, I always forget which one they represent it as. I think you only need about 5,000 downloads, and then you're going to get uh, per month. And then you get free access there, and they'll help fill your inventory with programmatic and provide you very robust dynamic ad insertion. But we're even talking like, I believe Megaphone's like a hundred bucks a month. So it's always worth asking, even if you're small, just shoot them an email. Tell them you want to learn about this. This is really important. You've heard how great it is. Suck up to them. Worst case scenario, they say no. Best case scenario, they cut you a unique deal or give you a few months free to learn it. Mm -hmm. And I know that in terms of dynamic ad insertion, some podcast hosting providers like Podbean just offer it as part of their hosting provider service. So I do want to just back up a little bit for anybody who's a brand new podcaster. I want to kind of define or just help explain the difference between embedded ads and dynamic ad insertion. So embedded ads are when you actually record a commercial and you include it in your audio and that audio kind of just like lives on forever in your, in the podcast apps. And you never really remove that commercial. It just stays there forever. It's embedded in your show. And then they have dynamic ad insertion, which is more programmatic because those ads can be swapped in and out. And so you can sign up for a platform like Red Circle or use Podbean Advertising Marketplace or whatever megaphone has that option as well, where you can say, okay, I want to have two mid-rolls. They're always going to be at this time. And it can be commercials that you're not necessarily reading. Usually you're not the one reading. It's like, you know, a Ford commercial will go on and get played on your podcast. But there are some downfalls of dynamic ad insertion. For one, you may not have total visibility depending on the platform in terms of the commercial that will get played on your podcast. The other thing is that it's not perfect in terms of the technology to insert the commercial. So it could be a little bit awkward. I don't know if Brian, you have any tips for making that less awkward, but there's some pros and cons. I think Once you have a really big show that gets a lot of listens to your old content, I feel like that's when you need to really figure out dynamic ad insertion so you could generate some passive income on content that you've already created. So for example, for me, I'm going through this whole activity where my team is going to clean up our last hundred episodes, take out all the old commercials. I used to do, to Brian's point, I used to do a lot of my own commercials to promote my own things before I was getting sponsored. So like taking all that content out, that's not relevant anymore. And then potentially starting some dynamic ad insertion to make money on our old episodes. Cause right now we're only doing embedded and just monetizing our new episodes, but that's not the smartest way to go about making money as a podcaster. Brian, I wonder if you have any thoughts and then drag and dimple Heather, don't be shy. If you guys have questions. So we have baked in, which is in the audio file. There's no technology determining what's unique about that ad. Most of the time, that's going to be a host red ad. It could be an announcer red ad, right? It's just like someone giving you a file. You're building it into one big file and sending it out as the full, complete episode. Dynamic ad insertion is determining at the time of download requests what ads go in there. Those can be host red. Those can be announcer red. And they can also be the third category, which is programmatic, which is calling another ad server and saying, hey, do you have an ad to fill here? I think that very smart idea to go back and clean up your old inventory. I absolutely believe that it'll cost you less 
overall to start with just doing baked in. And then when you're big enough for your back catalog, not selling those ads to hurt, it's probably not going to be that expensive to have somebody go back, especially if you keep track of the timestamps of where your ads are and have them clean up the old episodes and add in those ad markers. Some platforms with dynamic ad insertion won't even require you to edit the original file. They'll actually let you set an ad marker that covers the exact ad space so that you don't have to edit the file and re-upload it and put the flag in there. You just say, you know, from the minute 10 mark to the minute 45 mark, that's where the ad was. And now if there is an ad available, it will overwrite the old ad. So that's a really important thing. It's also not that difficult to migrate from one hosting platform to the other. So focus on what's going to let you grow and then monetize later, right? Nobody owes you any money. You're not guaranteed money out like from the get-go. So focus on building the content and a workflow that works for you. I think that the hardest part here is that so many people are just like, oh, and uh, we'll be right back after these awful ads that pay my bills. <sighs> Thanks for putting up with it. And like that <laughs> sucks. Like I would drop ad campaigns that do that, that you've chosen to put this content in there, right? You could go the route where you charge everybody for premium ad free content. That's tough, but it's super doable. Um, but you have chosen to go this route. So own it like any other content section in your, uh, in your podcast, right? You wouldn't just, your producer's not going to just excuse away you not editing or recording an episode in your bathroom. So that ad break is still content that your name's on. Think about how it sounds. Give it enough space between the content and the ad. So if something doesn't, if the break comes in a little early or a little late, it's not super jarring. And that's a really important part there. And the last part on programmatic, you do have a crazy amount of control if you want to be crazy involved. Because in programmatic and all of that, when you're determining what ads can go in there, you can block by category, you can block by individual advertiser, domain, you can set it so that every single creative that they're going to put in your podcast, you have to approve first, which means that if you don't approve it fast enough, there might not be any impressions left for you to get them, but you could have total control over it. But the dream of programmatic is set it and just get a paycheck. But then we enter that fear of you don't know what content's going in there. So the more hands-on you want to be, the more expensive it is. And your options really are a sales team or open it up to technology. And both options are valid, but you inevitably need headcount to make it work. Yeah, I'm getting the feeling that uh, from what you just said, that you, you're not really recommending us being having too much control, being too involved in it to let a team or agency handle it. I think there's a fine line. I uh-huh. think you need to know your expertise. I mean, like, as I do things with Sounds Profitable, there are absolutely areas where I could grow and do better, but I'm a one-person mm-hmm. shop. I just read, I, I have an editor, sorry, and, and he does all of the production because I hand it all over. Are there things that I would like to handle differently? Yeah, but I can't do it myself. I can't communicate it. So it's where I want it, and it's directionally good. It's not detrimental. So you just got to figure out what level of distance you can have. And the, the biggest thing is just don't sign anything exclusive, right? Like there's very little that someone can offer you exclusive that's actually going to pay out for you. And if you really need to, regardless, keep short contracts. Because if you try something for six months and it doesn't work, you can figure out what it is. Most people benefit and grow from things more when they're in a situation that is not what they want than not having anything. So if you don't have any ads, you can pine all day long about, oh, I wish I had ads. If you have bad ads, you bet your ass you're going to bust to go uh, bust it to go get better ads once that contract's done, once you can work with someone else. 
I have some more questions for you, Brian. And guys, if you have a question for Brian, he is a podcast analytic guru. Just raise your hand. Okay, so we'll go to Dimple and Dragon. I'm going to ask you one question, then we'll go to Dimple and Dragon. The question I have is the analytics for podcasts are very disparate. And I'm wondering, like, what's the best way, in your opinion, to analyze how many subscribers you have on your podcast? And then another question that I have as a follow-up is what is the best way to understand how much people are listening or like how long people are listening to your podcast? Like what are the best platforms we should be looking at to get that kind of information? Yeah. For the first one, I believe Chartable, Chartable is my, my preferred partner for publisher analytics, right? Because I think that they're the most friendly and progressive on that end. It's free. They have a charge, a paid tier on that end that shows more data. But I believe one of the things they offer either free or in the paid tier is they do some math that figures out like the frequency of that same IP address and user agent connecting over a set period of time to let you know that this is likely a subscriber. Most hosting platforms also do things like that related to the concept of unique listeners and time periods. There's no uniformity on that. And it's something that people are starting to push for. It's wild to me that we haven't dug into it more. But I would say that you're, uh, the first place is ask your hosting provider for it or see what other hosting providers offer it. The second is I, I really do like third-party analytics because they're a great way to validate everything that you're seeing or sharing and, and check out you know Chartable, PodTrack. I think PodSites has a, a prefix analytics, and, and these will all show you all of that. Um, so I'm such a nerd, and I have all those things. And Yes, I get the download number and like the unique listens, but nobody is saying like, holla across all the apps, you have 300,000 subscribers. You know, I can see I have over 100,000 subscribers on CastBox. Like some platforms say how many subscribers you have. Apple has it in their analytics, but their analytics look is so off. I don't believe any of it, right? So it's just, I guess there's, I guess the moral of the story is that there's no one place to go find your subscribers. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's analytics in general. I mean, the people that you can trust ha- are not validated by third parties. So the apps themselves, right? Like you said on CastBox, like you, CastBox knows how many people hit subscribe on that button. And like, it would be real weird for them to mess that up or lie about it. But like, nobody's confirming that, but the downloads to your hosts are really the only thing you can control, right? Because that's in one central place, everything else you're at the whim of that partner, Right. You're at you. You get to like figure out what they're going to represent. And that's that's the big thing. You have to like this. Your second question was about was about listens again. Yeah. Like, is there is there a certain source that shows how long people have listened to your podcast? Like, I know Apple gives some information, but again, their analytics are so bad. So I'm just wondering, is there like, you know, for example, Spotify is like if you want demographics information for free go look at Spotify. You'll get a, it's not going to be all your downloads, but you'll get a sense of what your Spotify listeners are like at least. So I'm just wondering, I'm just trying to pick your brain in terms of like, is there some hidden gem that I'm not thinking yeah. of? I think that pod sites and Chartable both offer on the download level demographic info. So they take the IP address and, and they're able to layer things out there about your audience as well. They're also pulling in the Spotify and Apple da- or the Spotify data for demographics. But for listens, the only place they can get that is the app. And so I would take your top out of Apple, Spotify, and Google because Amazon doesn't provide a portal yet that shows it, I think. You want to pick the top two of those three or even just all of them and blend it, right? Look at which ones, how they sit. Sounds profitable is like 
I think it's like 50% of my people are on overcast. And I was like, ah, oh, great. I got all the nerds and no data. <laughs> so like I got like 6% of my listeners are on Spotify. So I'm just like, well, thanks for all that great data, Spotify. That's not, you know, not even at a thousand downloads total per episode in a month. I, I, it's less than 60 downloads for that demographic data or listen data isn't going to be super helpful. So pick the biggest of the big name platforms that do provide that and then and just look at it. But I don't know. I mean, I think that downloads downloads are the only thing you can control and you can grow and you can see the results of and they're validated and you own the source that's, that's at. A lot of the rest is guessing. All analytics besides direct control analytics are to an acceptable level bullshit. We all like that's what advertising is. You're buying into a methodology that makes the most sense to you to progress forward and drive results because they all do drive results. Even analytics that people don't agree with, if you can learn an action from them, you can make results. And so it's whatever you're going to use the most and get the most value out of. So if looking at downloads while you run campaigns or run you know, episode drops or other things to grow your audience doesn't help you, then look at other metrics. Try all of them. But, but it gets complicated. It's a time sink, and I don't know if there's a lot of return on it, but Vanity metrics are called vanity metrics for a reason. I mean, we're seeing email click and open rates drop drastically because of technology. And every now and then I wake up on a Tuesday and I'm just like, oh, did this article suck or is it technology? Mm. So, so it's, it's, <laughs> it's not easy. It's yeah. all of you are out there creating stuff and putting yourself out there and to like not get validation from it in a way that we're being told we're measured against. Not fun. Yeah, 100%. And we're going to have some Q&A with Brian Dipple. I know that you have a question. I'd love to hear what you have to ask. Thank you, Hala. Hi, Brian. My question is, when it comes to analytics, like on your hosting platform website, so for example, if I use Captivate.fm, what are like the implications if I'm like sharing like the website so people can listen to my podcast episodes there versus like a specific link to say Spotify or iTunes, like, like how does that factor into analytics? Like what do the analytics from the website, if people are listening there, do those count towards any other, you know, platforms or is it just in a category of its own? Thank you. Yeah, no, that's a great question. So web players and, and like company run apps are some of the most powerful things in this space because that's a closed circuit, right? So Captivate's web player is going to be able to provide more robust analytics. Like it'll be able to tell you every action the listener took on that player. But the trade-off that you have there is it's a web player, right? And so can they, like it's a, a few more steps to subscribe. What's the environment? Uh, until iOS 15 comes, there's I think that what they're doing, they're doing some media control improvements. So there'll be abilities for web players to be more app-like for people. It is absolutely always in your best interest to drive something through to an app or podcast player that you control because you'll get more data. However, the reality is, is even iHeart and NPR who own their own apps and players don't get a substantial amount of data, like of listens through there. They get enough that it, it provides value for them, but they're huge, but it's still not, it's not breaking into like the double digit percentages for them. And so that's a big thing to remember. So if it's free and you want to use it, that's awesome. But just think about your experience as a listener. If I'm driven to an, like a player, like that could be a dead end for me. Like, oh, I got to, uh, I'm listening for five minutes and then I got to go like take care of my kid. Well, it's not on my phone, but I want to listen to a podcast while like, 
I'm watching him run around in the yard. I'm just going to listen to whatever I was already listening to on my phone that's not connected to that web player. Yeah, that's a good point. Thank you. Awesome. Brian is just crushing it right now. Dragon, what is your question for Brian? You know, I, I set a goal every day to make sure that I'm not the smartest person in the room and I have succeeded. <laughs> oh my God. Amazing stuff, Brian. Thank you so much for uh, taking what I consider to be a completely different language and make a little bit of sense. I have a little bit of a different question for you in just listening, because I don't even know how this conversation started because I jumped in after, but obviously, Hala, you asked a question that just blew up um, with Brian. Brian, my question to you, because you're talking a lot about you know analytics, but you're also, we're talking a little bit about ad space. What I'm noticing is that we're running out of real estate. And what I mean by that is the attention span of the listener, just because of how chaotic the world is. Um, one of my favorite podcasts is something that lasts five minutes, you know? So are you, just from your expertise, and I don't know enough about you to know if this is an off-put um, question, but just from your expertise as somebody that's into analytics and looking at things, is there room outside of the podcast for ad space? I don't know if that makes sense to you, but what I'm seeing is that, you know, as our attention spans go down, I mean, I have two boys, they don't have time, they don't do anything for 30 minutes other than play like Fortnite. So the podcasting world um, is, and just in, in one sense, is kind of running out of space in some genres. Is there ad space outside of the podcast? And, and also, do you see, what's the future that you see for ad space? in the shorter format podcast. Does that make sense? I'm just yeah, no, those are pick your brain. Yeah. Yeah, no, those are great questions. SXM Media, so formerly Midroll, Stitcher, SiriusXM, all of that, Pandora rolled in. It's SXM Media now. Released a case study with Signal Hill Insights showing that there was not a massive drop in recall between a 15-second ad and I think a 90-second ad. So it's all really about the quality of the content. So you're super right there. A five-minute episode can't have you know, two, two minute ad breaks, right? It just doesn't work, which is really an interesting point because then you get people like audio boom out there touting the fact that they're on a 60 second ad slot. And, you know, we're really excited. We got them to do a two minute ad read, which I don't think is good, right? You very quickly can run out of value the longer you talk. It's literally the story of my life. The second question you asked is really interesting. Nobody is paying attention to Facebook. And so Facebook just said like, yeah, 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 we're going to, we're going to have podcasts in our app. And, and they said, we'll use the Spotify player. And Spotify's like, Facebook and Spotify have partnered on podcasting. And then Facebook's just like, no, 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 we're building our own player, but we'll allow this for now. So we keep touting that podcasters are, you know, the, the audience that we have are like elite and they're, uh, you know, avoidant of ads. They use ad block and all these other things. So that, that's like a really highly targetable group. So if, if, People have that, they're following podcasts or they're listening to podcasts on Facebook that gathers all of your information and allows people to buy against it. The market around podcasting, advertising to people because of podcasting is going to be huge, right? If I, if I mark down that I listen to the Joe Rogan podcast and they don't want to pay $75 CPM for a 30-second ad on Joe Rogan, well, I can find that person on Facebook with even more information about them because Facebook has all this first-party data. So the podcast listening becomes a component of that, right? And that becomes really powerful. We're seeing things like um, Overcast and CastBox and all these other ones that sell ads 
in the podcasting environments are doing very well. So it shows that the podcast listeners will interact with ads if they're in front of them. So I think that we're in this weird space where we have to figure out the inventory. I think you're right. We are starting to cram too many ads in there and people's attention span is going. I think that ads need to be treated treated the same way that we're producing content. So knock it out of the park. It's not an excuse just to make money and put your hands up and say, sorry, please listen to this. And then the last part is that the habit of listening to podcasts and what podcasts you listen to is a coveted piece of data to assign to someone. And we talk about how 50% of the U.S. listen to podcasts and the other 50% never listens to them. Well, that other 50%, according to Tom Webster at Edison Research, indexes very high with Facebook users. So we're about to see a market of people who are being introduced to podcasts and Facebook is absolutely going to assign them values based on their podcast listening habits and sell that to advertisers, effectively competing against podcast advertising. Yeah. And, Ew, and that's, that's, that's super, super cool. And I like, I like the deep thought in that. But another thing, kind of where I was looking to go is where we are right here in Clubhouse. You know, I mean, look at somebody like Hala. You know, I, I, I've known her long enough to watch her just explode on the scene as a moderator. And then all of a sudden we had this monetization concept in Clubhouse, which is really just a way of tipping people right now. But it's definitely going to evolve into another outside of podcasting ad space and way to monetize, you know? So I think this is a super cool time to be a podcaster. And, you know, and that's a, and that's a toot to your horn, Hala, because I've watched you, you know, become like this big deal here in, in the clubhouse space. I'm thinking like guys like Brian are going to be talking about the analytics of ad space and all this stuff in clubhouse. And that's outside of the podcasting. So you're going to have your podcast episode and all the stuff that he's talking about. But I think the audio platform is going to turn into this whole like first cousin of podcasting. So that's, that's what I'm most excited about is watching that all unfold. I think within the next year, the, the, the concept of making money on clubhouse is going to just rock everything, you know? So it's exciting. It is really exciting. And I feel like there is so much opportunity and a lot of people are already making money and monetizing clubhouse. I feel like it's not sophisticated. It's very manual. It's very like, for example, Fiverr sponsors my events sometimes. And then I just, every 20 minutes, I'm like, and if you want 10% off of Fiverr, like here's the promo code, you know? So it's really manual and kind of you shake hands with them. And it's, it's not like I'm guaranteeing any certain amount of people. It's more like, here's the event. We'll promote it on social. We may record it for the podcast and replay it for you. We'll charge you extra for that. And so we've been selling a whole lot of sponsorships. We've made a significant amount of revenue in the last three months at my agency, basically selling these clubhouse rooms that we record and then replay on the podcast and maybe integrate somebody from the brand on the panel. And then also just doing a, an event where I'm shouting out, like, for example, I did a podcast office hours on outsourcing. Fiverr was a sponsor and it worked perfect because it was educational. People loved the content and they got some money off of their next Fiverr order if they, if they wanted to use Fiverr, you know? So 
I feel like there are a lot of opportunities. And speaking of the tipping feature, it relates to one of the news stories that we're going to talk about today, um, which I'll just quickly tell everybody about. Linktree, if you guys are familiar with that, a lot of podcasters use Linktree as a place to have all of their different buttons for the different apps that their podcast is hosted on. Linktree just added a commerce feature. So similar to Koji, uh, which is another Linktree competitor, they now have a commerce feature where people can basically purchase items. So they can purchase your physical products and you can embed that. I think they can purchase like coaching type calls. I think there's a variety of ways that you can use it, even potentially like more of a tipping jar feature. But now Linktree has some commerce tools. So I think that's pretty cool. And it's just another way for digital content marketers to monetize their stuff. I love how people are just opening up to offering more opportunities for podcasters and broadcasters in general to finally start making money. Even though in some cases or most cases it's going to start small, but you know, some money, honey, is better than no money, honey. <laughs> right, Brian? Got to get some money. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, Brian, I know that you used to work at Megaphone, and I'm actually in talks with them to potentially move my podcast on there and start dynamic ad insertion. What's the kind of money? Like, cause I know that a lot of people ask that, like how much money can I make as a podcaster? And I I'm sure with your experience in the, in the uh, platforms that you've worked on, you've kind of seen it all. Can you give us an idea in terms of like the type of money you can make as a podcaster who gets like 10,000 downloads an episode, like let's start at something that seems realistic for people, you know, and, and just like, what's a, what kind of money can you make off podcasting? Like based on your experience? Love that question. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, this is always really hard. If you guys can see my office right now, it's full of like podcast stuff and all that, but like tons of dungeons and dragons and other tabletop stuff and video game stuff. And I would love nothing more to hang up to this call, turn on a stream and just make tons of money for playing video games. But the truth is, is that like, no matter how passionate we are about something, sometimes the content might not resonate with advertisers. Sometimes we not might not grow enough. So at the end of the day, you could have a killer podcast covering a very specific topic and nobody wants to advertise on it because it's about sad puppies. And so there's no win. There's no average. Everybody's unique. You might hit gold. You might never make a buck. But what I can say is that like there are companies and there are podcasts out there that are big that are charging as low as 20 or $30 CPM for their individual show, but they have tons of impressions. So, right. So CPM is per thousand. So every thousand for the 30, uh, $30 for a thousand downloads, 10,000 downloads in that, right. That's $300. My math's terrible because I haven't enough coffee in the afternoon, but you know, like if they get to millions of downloads, if they get to, you know, tens of millions it, that adds up even at that, number there. there mm-hmm. There's stuff like Spotify and other ones that charge more, 60, 70, 80, 100 over that, right? Depending on what it is and the uniqueness of it, depending on the level of control, the targeting, the growth. What I can say is that if your goal is to make money on this, you need to treat it like a business, not for creative, and you're just going to get paid for being creative. So like if you were to go rent retail location and like start a store, like they tell you that like the first three to five years, not to, you're not going to make any money and you're going to put tons of money into it. So I like to suggest that people be prepared to put in over like a three-year period as much as they hope to make a year in the future, if not more. 
and get comfortable with investing into it to grow it. But the only surefire way to make money is to work with a partner that is going to focus on filling your inventory 100%. MTM with Megaphone is great, right? They're selling you with a premium brand. They're taking a substantial cut of what they're selling it at, but they can't guarantee you any inventory. Every advertiser that comes in this month could say, I only want to be in sports. And they could just sell the whole sports vertical and everybody else could have no inventory from that, right? So the best way to make money is to have as many steps up as possible. I I recommend starting with, you know, affiliate marketing at the bottom. Influencer Bridge by Baritone is one. The uh, the Something Junction is the old school one. I'm blanking on that. You can, with Influencer Bridge, I think with Audible, you can pay, get $15 per sign up, right? So if you get like a 1.2% conversion rate on a thousand downloads, you can make as much as you would have get like selling ads, right? And that's not a crazy amount, right? 12 people out of a thousand being like, I love this book. You should check it out. Here's a free trial to Audible with this code. They don't even have to pay anything. You get $15. So having that as a baseline that runs whenever you don't have ads is great. Doing promo and selling it to other podcasters at a low rate is very great. Next step up, programmatic. I really am uh, keen on partners like Voxness Spreaker right now because their yield optimization strategy which is their strategy to get you paid, is fill rate is more important than the CPM. So it might only be to you 2 to $10 CPM, right, on a blended rate. It can absolutely be that low. But then that motivates you for that to be another fallback. So the next step up is work with partners like Megaphone MTM to, to sell as a second seat seller to you, right? They're, they're second to your ad sales team. They're not selling you direct, but you're included in their list. There's Gumball, which you can rec, uh, you can list your inventory on and people can buy it e-commerce style. You can apply for any of the networks out there, MTM, AdvertiseCast, Podcorn. There are so many services out there that will list your inventory and not lock you down to anything exclusive that will represent you or want to show your inventory, but not let anybody directly target it. And then the top layer is exclusive sales, which you either get to determine, do you want to hire a bunch of salespeople or do you want to hire a company that is actively selling to put you in their list? One's going to give you one more uh, more attention, but you're including or you're you're growing your company and headcount. The other one is professionals in the space, but you're just one of their clients. So I would say that some of the biggest companies in the space are not getting close to 50% fill rate on average. And I would say that, you know, that it takes a lot to get closer to 100, even with six ads in an hour-long show. So I, you got to hustle, you got to make connections, and you got to uh, take every option. And every one of them that you don't like and you didn't get paid well enough, you should look to replace, not remove. I'm like vigorously, nobody can see me, but I'm like vigorously head nodding. Cause like everything you say is like, I feel like the advice that I give totally agree that if you don't have a lot of downloads, one of the best ways to get your feet wet, practice with commercials and start monetizing your podcast is through affiliate marketing. Fiverr has an affiliate marketing program. It doesn't necessarily need to be anything in the podcast or audio space. It could be like a furniture company that you like has an affiliate program and you decide you're going to sell furniture. Anything that you think is going to resonate with your audience, you can go ahead and become an affiliate partner if they have it. And usually they're not asking anything like stats or, or they don't care. Like they just, you just fill out a form and then you get a promo link and a code and you're just like off to the races, you know? So definitely agree with affiliate marketing. 
Really good. Just great information. Not many people know about this space, Brian. I, you definitely know more than me, and I love meeting people who have uh, great expertise. So thank you so much for joining us today. Does anybody on stage, Billy, I know you joined, does anybody have a podcast analytics question for Brian before we close out the room? Well, first, <laughs> I just laughed to myself when you said almost the exact same thing I said to Brian yesterday. We had a, a meeting. <laughs> we had a meeting yesterday. I literally could exchange what you said with what I said. I'm thinking of going to Megaphone. Curious if it's a good decision. And so we're just replaying 24 hours later. Brian, am I wrong about that? <laughs> no, that's spot on. And you also told me that I really had to get back on Clubhouse. And so this. <laughs> this I know. I was like, wait, Brian's on. here? <laughs> I was like, what's going on? I love it, man. Well, I just wanted to say thank you. Yeah. And, 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 and real one quick follow-up. So look, I, first of all, you know, I mad respect you. I think what Holla just said is so true. You possess knowledge that most people it's deer in the headlights. They it's not connecting. So I would love it if you could kind of give us a breakdown and give us like in a very simple way. I totally get it. Like you start small, start with affiliate, Let's go mid-range. You know, Hall asked 10,000 downloads. What if you're in the, say, 50 to 100,000 downloads per month? And as I, as I mentioned, because of my business and because we're growing and bringing on so many new clients, and some of them have pretty successful shows, you know, we're soon at that mark ourselves. But point being is, what are the factors you're considering when you get into that level? Because you mentioned so much right there and I couldn't write down fast enough everything you were saying. So what is the most important three things I should remember or anyone should remember as their either their network or their, their, their group of shows start to reach, you know, a, a, you know, a significant amount of downloads on a monthly basis. The first one is email anybody you want to work with. Represent yourself, create a one-sheeter, explain who you are, talk to them. They won't answer your emails. They're not worth it. That's the end of the day. If if there is someone out there that everyone says is going to sell your inventory the best or do the best by you, and they won't even take the time to inter- interact with you or have a phone call, they're never going to give you the respect or time of day you want, and it's a missed opportunity on their end, especially if you're growing like that. So email everyone. And if you want, start a podcast about it because no one will say no to being a guest on a podcast. Um, the I would say the second thing is short-term contracts are king. Throughout my life, especially, I've been working since I was like 14 years old, and the, the thing that I learned the most is nothing is more motivating than having a uh, to finding a good job than having a bad job. So being unemployed is easy. Not doing anything, not having ads is, is easy because you're not. There's no loss or stress on that end. Like exerting on you the lack of income stress but having bad ads having a bad relationship will motivate you in ways you've never thought before to do better to find better so sign anything anybody says they can offer you a magic cure ask a bunch of reviews for, uh, for reviews ask for client references talk to people as long as the check's clear and you like everything in the contract and nothing freaks you out, sign a three-month, sign a six-month, learn from it, and move on because ultimately you control it. You're the person pressing flight this ad. And I'm sure your contract will let you just not fight the ads because don't sign anything exclusive. And then the third option is always be ready to do it all yourself. Megaphone used to be a content-based company, right? They were panoply. And then they you know, they bought Audiometrics and they built a tech platform around it. And that tech platform, along with selling ads, became 10 times more profitable than they ever were with making podcasts. 
you overnight could go from a podcast creator and con- like a content creator to an ad sales company because you just figure it out. You talk to an advertiser, you pitch them on an idea. It's fantastic, but they want a million downloads and you can only get them 50,000, but you have enough friends to organize and create a network. And that network, you're going to take 10% because you put all of it together and then you grow and you, they want to buy more. And then you find more advertisers. And next thing you know, you're not worried about your podcast. You're a network. The, the last point is if there's not someone who can solve your problem, you might have to go be that person. And that might have to shift your entire business and just be prepared for it. Oh, man. All right. Well, I, uh, I am, like I said, uh, you know, I'm a massive fan and you just delivered so big. So thanks, Brian. Thanks Hollow, for the opportunity. I know we're closing up, so I'll, I'll pass it back to you, Brian. Let's talk soon. Uh, uh, even though we just met yesterday, I need another, uh, I need another catch up already. So thanks again for being here. I'm glad you're on clubhouse again and Holla, another rocking room. You're crushing yeah, it. Keep doing, keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, I have to echo what Billy said. Brian, you crushed it. I love having your expertise. Like I said, I am such a big podcast nerd. It is really hard for me to find somebody who knows more than me. And now we have to be best friends. And I have to invite you to all my rooms and be my podcast analytics guy. (laughs) So, uh, so nice to meet you. Where can everybody who's tuning in here today and for folks who listen on the podcast, where can they find you, Brian? Yeah, so you can go to soundsprofitable.com. There's nothing for sale. It's all free information. It's a weekly article, two podcasts a week, and then we do a product deep dive once a month, which goes through how to use all these amazing ad tech tools in depth for 30 to 60 minutes. So please subscribe. Please share it with people. I'm simply trying to educate more people in this space. And, well, and I can just I just say, say Ryan, I, I really like what you said. I was going to ask you, is there a master class? Because I feel like I've been to part one today <laughs> here in the audio newsroom. And sorry about cutting you off, Billy, but I'm going to run out of here. I have to go. But before I go, Holla, is it okay if we just give Brian a standing ovation and hand clap? How about that? Yay! <laughs> That's for you, Brian. We appreciate all that you brought to the audio newsroom today, and I'm going to send it back over to Billy because I abruptly cut him Not off. Sorry all. about that, my friend. Okay. Not at all. You you could interrupt me all day long, Raven. You know I'm a massive fan of yours. So I was just going to say, everybody on listening right now, go to soundsprofitable.com. Check out. I was just watching his deep dives. Oh, so in-depth, so thorough, comprehensive, and there's a lot more coming. I know that because we met yesterday. So get ready. Your your wishes will be answered, Raven. So Brian's a phenomenal guy to know. And, and I, I just want to rally around and support you for the work you're doing to help create more understanding of what most people find to be a black box. So you're, you're taking the mystery out of advertising and analytics and making it more digestible and easy for us to all understand. So I think the least we could do is go, go sign up for your newsletter, but then you're going to get huge benefits by doing that. And so Hala, I'm right there with you. Let's champion Brian and, and, and do everything we can to uh, have, have him share his wisdom here on clubhouse. And uh, I'm certain that it, it will provide so much value to the community of podcasts that spend time here. So thanks again, Brian. Appreciate you, bro. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Oh my gosh. We're like 
Brian fans forever now. So thank you so much, Brian. With that, I'm going to close the audio newsroom. I do want to mention one story that we didn't get to that's really relevant and big just so that everybody has it. Lisbon just completed its acquisition of AdvertiseCast, and so they bought it for $30 million. So I did want to call that out. That's a huge deal in terms of this space, the fact that these two monster brands in the podcast space are linking together, and so many podcasters make their money off of AdvertiseCast. So I'm just curious to see what happens if you're not hosted on Lisbon, what happens there. So really interesting and can't wait to see how that unfolds. We'll cover it next week more thoroughly on the audio newsroom. But with that, we'll be here again next Wednesday at 12 p.m. Eastern. We're going to be here on Wednesday. We'll see you guys there. Thanks again, Brian, and to all of our uh, panelists and people who contributed. And with that, this is Hala and Friends signing off. Thanks, guys.